Ladies and gentlemen, I was instructed by my elder in the Lord that I better have a right now word for this church or I was going to be thrown out and bounced outside, tarred and feathered, and run out of town. What I decided I'm going to do is just get at the head of the, ahead of the thing and act like it's a parade. Amen, my God. But I've got a right now word because I've been praying and I've been seeking God. I'm telling you it's a word of God that's going to encourage us all. I might get so happy I might run the chairs. We used to run the pews, but I might run the chairs because I got that kind of anointing on me today. I've just been holding back. You know what I mean? Hold on, boy. Calm down. But I can't hold it for so long I might just break something. I'm telling you the truth about it. You know, we used to have pew-breaking services in old-time Pentecost, chair-breaking services, even in recent times, you know. So we might get into some of those times. But God is a good God. And yes, there's storms howling all around. But when you stand on God's Word, you're standing on solid ground. So I got a word for this church and I got a word for you as an individual. I want to talk to you about how to overcome the storms of life because we've been going through the storms. The storms have been coming and howling and raging in every area of society but even against the church. The church is under greater attack than it's ever been in this nation, than it's ever been in the history of this nation. And you know why? Because Satan knows that his time is short and he's come down with great wrath knowing that he only has a few minutes left, spiritually speaking, to deceive the world. But he's not going to put out our light and he's not going to put out our fire. Amen? We're going on with the Lord Jesus Christ and we're not going to stop. So we're going to talk about how to overcome the storms of life again by direction of the Holy Ghost because he wants us to overcome in every single area of our lives. He don't want us to succumb and submit to things that will take us under. He wants us to be in the area where we're going over. Amen. Turn to Mark chapter 4 since you're so eager to go this way today. But it's time, ladies and gentlemen, to arise above the storms in life. You know, they tell us the story about the eagle. And when the thunderstorms come and the lightning flashes and the winds blow, what the eagles do is they get out in the wind and they lock their wings and they allow the storm to actually create lift and they sail above it way up into thousands and thousands of feet in our atmosphere. It's time that we lock our wings and sail above the storms of life. I would like to tell you that you're not going to have a storm. I'd like to tell you that there's not going to be attacked. I'd like to tell you that the devil's not going to come after you. But pastor would grab me by the nap of the neck and throw me outside and roll me in the parking lot and get the ushers to drag me out in the woods and tie me to a tree and pray for me all night. Because I'm here to tell you, if you live in this world, you're going to have opposition, but you're going to overcome every single one of them. I mean every one of them. Yes, times of discouragement come at us all. Opposition comes at us all because that's the devil's job. But Jesus Christ has already defeated Satan and thank God through Jesus, I've got victory over all the powers of darkness. How to overcome the storms of life. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. This is a word for you, a word for this church, a word for me. I'm not giving it all to you. I'm keeping part of it. I'm telling you the truth about it. But in Mark chapter 4, verse number 35, it says, And the same day 
the same day, the same day, the same day, when the evening was come, says he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Now we've got to stop and examine who said this, let us pass over unto the other side. The person that said this is Jesus Christ, Christ being the Messiah, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ being the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ himself being God manifested or demonstrated in the flesh. Remember in St. John chapter 14, if you haven't read this lately, you can read it later. But in St. John chapter 15, 14, uh, Jesus was telling the disciples that he was going to go away and, and do some things. And he was talking about the Father and following him. And Philip said to Jesus, he said, Lord, if you'll just show us the Father, that'll be sufficient for us. Just reveal him to us. Let us look at him like you see him. That's what Philip, one of the apostles, were saying. The disciples said to Jesus, and Jesus' response to Philip in John 14 was, he said, Philip, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. When you see Jesus and look at his works in the word of God, what you can see is that Jesus Christ came to demonstrate or manifest God to the world. God was in Christ reconciling the world back to him. Everywhere Jesus went, he walked in victory. Yes, he laid aside his deity as the Son of God. He didn't operate as God in the earth. He operated as a Son of God, as a human being. That's what he operated as, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And he had victory everywhere he went. Everywhere he encountered Satan, every single time, without fail, Jesus defeated the devil. Now, has the devil been defeated, according to the Bible? It, has he? How do you know? What in the world are we running from him for? Because you just told me he has been defeated. D-E-F-E-E-T-E-D. Defeated. <laughs> You told me, you agreed, you shouted, amen. So every time you think about the devil, think of him being defeated. He has no authority but the lies he can convince me into believing. That's the only authority he has. If he can convince me that I'm failing and get me to take a bite out of it and get me to go along with this program, yes, he'll take me under. But if I can convince him that I'm not giving up, that I'm not going to be moved, that I'm going to stand on the promises of the Word of God. Remember that song? Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Then we are going to overcome every single time without fail. Ladies and gentlemen, if, ha if I have to, now don't make me. I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming into success. Amen. I'm just going to drag you over here. Because Jesus did not come to make his children a failure. He come to make us a success. Well, Brother Randy, look at what's going on in the world. I'm not in the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. You know what I mean? God's going to take care of me, and he's going to take care of you. All I've got to do is believe that. So what is Satan after? He is after my faith in the word of God. Because, and how does he get after my faith? With storms. 
with circumstances, with situations, attacks financially, attacks physically, attacks mentally. There's been so much mental oppression in the church world where the enemy has attacked people's minds and told them how no good they were and sorry they are. And he would say things to you like you're lower down than a snake's belly in a wagon's rut. Oh, and you'll get the feeling down and out and depressed and poor old me and the devil will come up beside you and hug your neck and kiss you on the cheek and say, yeah, you poor old thing, you. Oh, look at how they treat you. Look at how the world is. Look at how many problems you got. Oh, Oh, yes, you're going to die if I can talk you into it in the next five minutes. You know what I mean? I mean, he'll just sit there and hug you up in your misery. But Jesus will get you out of your misery. Amen. Satan might hug you into it, but Jesus will bring you out of it. But we've got to develop an attitude of success if we're going to have God's best. An attitude in the Word, not in my strength, not in my ability, but in God's ability, and we're going over. So the Word's here that was spoken, and this verse would cause me to stop. He said, let us pass over to the other side. So the one that spoke these words, and I pointed it out, was Emmanuel, which means God with us, was Jesus Christ, who is the Son of the living God, who was also the Savior of the entire world. He's the one that spoke those words. Isn't that right? Let us pass over to the other side. That was spoken by God manifested in the flesh. Remember, he laid aside his deity. He's operating as a man, but still, this is the directive. This is a word from God. Let's don't sit here. Let's go to the other side. Now, the reason I point that out very carefully is for this reason and this reason alone. It would seem that if you had a direct word from God, this is a prophecy. He's prophesying to them, let's go to the other side. Everybody always wants a word. Here's your word. Let's pass over to the other side. This is a direct word from God, a direct prophecy from God. So if he prophesied to me and said, let's go to the other side, that means I'm not going to encounter any opposition to get there. I'm not going to have any problems to get there. It's just going to be a bed of roses. I'm going to float through life on flowery beds of ease. There's going to be no attack because I got a word from God. Oh, we're going to see what happened. The devil always tries to get messing, making a mess when God starts to bless. And I'm here to tell you, God's going to bless when the devil is messing. And we stand on the word of God. This is a right now word for you, a right now word from this church. Yes, the devil has went to messing. But when the devil goes to messing, God goes to blessing. And we've got to believe that. We've got to stand on God's word. We can't give up on God's word. We've got to keep believing what it looks like we're going under, what it looks like that we're failing, when it looks like we're sinking, when it looks like the storm has overwhelmed us, uh, just keep a hollering. I'm more than a conquering Christ. And Brother Randy, what if I'm blowing bubbles of water in the process? Keep a hollering, my God. Keep a hollering. Woo! I'm more than a conquering Christ Jesus. Woo! said, how do you know? Let's look at what the Bible says. Jesus is our example of Christianity, right? That's what he came for. He came to demonstrate Christianity to us so that when we accepted him and became what is called Christians today, that we could actually walk in his footsteps. That doesn't mean that we're Jesus, you know, but we can act like he act and get results like he got. You understand? Headed in his direction. 
So they got a word from God in verse 35, Let's pat, let us pass over unto the other side. That's a directive, that is a word, that is a prophecy from Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And if he gave me a prophecy, I'm certainly not going to have any problem fulfill it. It's not God that's trying to shut us down. It's the devil that's trying to shut us down. It's the enemy that's trying to get us to give up. It's the enemy that tries to get us to throw in the towel, so to speak. But we've got a word from God. How many of you know that you heard from God about something? And then when you headed in that direction, all of a sudden, some of the greatest... <laughs> we got to preach this out of it. Some of the greatest opposition that you ever uh, experienced, maybe, has come your way, or at least opposition. But you know that you had it in your spirit. You know you got chapter and verse for it. But all of a sudden, opposition, attacks begin to come, oppression begin to come, and it looked like, oh, I mean, this stuff is not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. I'm telling you, it's not. It's working, whether it looks like it or not, whether you feel like it or not. Uh, it is working. 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 The word is working mightily. I said the word is working mightily. Stay with the word and the word will stay with you. Stay with the word and the word will stay with you. Stay with the word and the word will stay with you. And you're going to come out on the end on the other side of the storm. I might as well get excited myself. I might jump on top of the pulpit. We'll see. Let us pass over to the other side. So we got a word from God the Son of God Himself. So I'm not going to have no attacks. It's going to be a, a bed of roses. Float through life on flowery beds of ease. Now let's see. Verse 36. It says, When they had sent away the multitude, Jesus and His disciples, they took Him, speaking of Jesus, even as He was in the ship. They took Jesus and Jesus got in the ship with Him. Now, it says, There were also with Him other little ships. Now, he said, they took him even as he was in the what? Ship. Now, if you've never been to Israel, you will think this is the cruise ship that you saw going in the ocean. But it's not. This cruise ship was a little bitty boat. I don't want to be vulgar. I don't want to be vulgar. But I, maybe I can tell the story and help you, you know. You remember Big Tiny? Big Tiny. He was a big, everybody called him Tiny, but I mean that guy was a, he was a, a riverboat captain. Remember, he came, I think, did he come out of Mississippi somewhere or something? Anyway, he was a riverboat captain, and he fooled around and fell off in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and he got saved. And he came out there to Ramah. And I remember I had bought me a little boat. I didn't have much money, but I had, I bought me a little old uh, flat bottom uh, a 12-foot aluminum boat, you know, sides about that deep, you know. Men, you know what I'm talking about. It's probably not something you'd want to go out in the gulf too far with because <laughs> you might come back a different way than you go out. And it had a little bitty motor on the back, a wizard or something. Y'all remember the wizards? Oh, if you remember a wizard, I mean, I can date you now. Had a little old motor like that, no pull start, you know, I thought I was somebody. And that old 63 Ford picking up truck, you know with the long bed, so it just fit up in there pretty good, let the tailgate down, put the motor up there, you know, by the back of the boat, up by the cab, so that kind of holds it down, and just tie a rope to the front so it can't fly out going down the road. Somehow or another, I come by where Big T Tiny was at. And Big Tiny, I was parked, and he come out, uh, 
and he heard me talking. He said, you got you a boat? Remember, he's a riverboat captain. He said, you got you a boat? I said, I got me a boat. I'm proud of it. I didn't have much money, you know. I got me a boat. I grew up fishing and hunting, you know. And I'm at Bible school when all this happened. He said, let me see this here boat. I said, oh, big tiny, come on. So I took him out there to my old 63 Ford pickup truck, long bed. And he said, where's the doggone boat? He's looking for this trailer and this giant ship, you know. <laughs> That's what he's looking for, a ship, you know. And he finally he said, where's it at? I said, you got to look over in the truck to see it. You know, you can't see it. It don't stick up above the edges. He looked down at that boat, I mean, without missing a beat. A born-again Christian, Holy Ghost tongue-talking. He said, that's not a boat. He said, that's a butt wetter. <laughs> forgive me. Forgive me. I, I know you're not supposed to. But I mean, you know, that's just the way he was. You know what I mean? And it was. It would be that way if you didn't know how to maneuver that thing. But I grew up on the Chattahoochee River. And you've got to know how to take that boat and you don't take it in certain places. But anyway, this ship that they were on was a boat like Big Tiny described. You think it was a cruise ship. It wasn't. They got one, a picture. Well, actually, they got the makings of one, the skeleton of one of these, uh, what they call a ships, uh, in a museum on the Sea of Galilee. Anybody ever been over there? The Sea of Galilee, and by the way, that is not a doggone sea. It's a big lake. We call it a giant pond in the country. That's all it is, about eight miles across one way. But they call it the Sea of Galilee. So you get to think of the sea. Oh, you're thinking of a, the Gulf of Mexico, the Atlantic or the Pacific. You think of a ship. You think of a cruise ship or somebody that docks down here, you know, at the port somewhere. Some of them things they built in the shipyard. And they launch in the water and it displaces so much water it bounces up 20 feet in the air when they slide it back in there. No, this was a little bitty, according to Tiny. Get what I mean? I'm not, I just ain't saying it again, but that's what Tiny said it was. So you got to put the scenario in place to understand this miracle. It's not a giant ship. The ships were not real, sides were not real high, and it was not very, very long. You got the picture. Big Tiny said it was a but. I can't say it. But anyway, that's what Big Tiny said, and that's exactly what they're getting into. And he said, let us pass over to the other side, and they took him and put him into the, that Big Tiny said. You know what I mean? And that's what they got into. It'll make the miracle more important to you because you don't have the concept. We think of ships as giant boats somehow. Safety, you know. Big whale, Boston whalers or something, you know. No, not this one. They put him in the ship and there were other little ships, little, 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 little. They should have put it tiny, tiny, tiny. That's the way you and I think about it. And, and, and big tiny called it so, you know what I mean? He knows what he's talking about because he was a riverboat captain and he knew what would happen if you got by a tugboat pushing a big barge and that little boat I had, he knew it was a, you know what I mean? And because of that, I'm trying to straighten your mind out now. It's a right now word. I'm telling you, it just don't seem like it. But here we go. It says, and there arose a great storm of wind. Now, when it says there arose a great storm of wind, this is accurate. This is very, very accurate. 
It wasn't a little storm. It was a big storm, and they're in a little bitty boat. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now what? Full. Full. The ship. Now remember, you're thinking about a cruise ship. You're thinking about a Boston whaler. You're thinking about an inboard outboard. You're thinking about a cigar boat. No, this was a little. When it said it was full, that means this thing is filling up and they're going to sink. And they're bailing. I mean, they're getting, I don't know if they had a fish bait cup, pink worms or wigglers or night crawlers or something, but they're trying to get that water out of there. It beat into the ship. Notice it beat. How many passed through the other side and you started taking <laughs> a beating? You got to be like old Timex. They take a licking and keep on ticking. You, <laughs> you remember those commercials? About the Timex watches, take a licking and keep on ticking. But here it says the waves beat into the ship. So it was now full. It beat. That means it hit the side so hard it bounced up and cove over inside the ship because it's not that deep of a side on these ships or this little boat. And it says here, verse 38, and he, Jesus, was in the hinder or back part of the ship. Remember, little boat. Asleep on a pillow. We would call it a quilt or something or whatever they had back there. And he was asleep on it. He was probably tired. He'd been ministering to a lot of people. It says, and they awoke him and said to him, Master, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, carest, not that we carest thou not that we perish? In other words, you're laying back here asleep and we're about to go under. The ship's sinking. The, the ship, the water, the water's already in the boat here. We're going down. So they're greatly concerned. But something that about me that I've noticed about this passage of Scripture, and I see here, Jesus slept during the storm. How many of us can do that? How many of us have paced the floor? and worried night and day while the storms are howling and the winds are blowing. But Jesus is laying there asleep on the pillow. Isn't that right? On the blanket. He had a little pillow there in there. said, what pillow was he asleep on? This is the key. He was asleep on the pillow of faith. That's the only pillow that you can sleep on when the storms are howling and the waves are filling the ship. He wasn't concerned at all. Why? Because he had already given a decree. He had given a directive to let us pass over to the other side. Said, Brother Randy, what would have happened if the ship would have sunk or the boat would have sunk? Well, no doubt, Jesus would have floated along on the pillow and blanket. He walked on the water. Now, I have walked on the water. Pastor Roger taught me how. Up in Davenport, Iowa, all you got to do is wait till it freezes and walk right across. <laughs> so you can walk on the water. If you can't down here, just go north. There's a place up there that you can walk on the water. But so undoubtedly, by the words that Jesus spoke, then he would have safely reached the other side. Of course, we don't know that, and I want to add or take away from the Bible, but he did walk on the water one time, and we have it in the, in the Bible. Isn't that right? So undoubtedly, he would have floated on the pillow and blanket safely to the other side. 
because he gave the directive to do so. But they became afraid. In verse number 39, and he's, he's, verse 38, he said, Master cares not that we perish. In verse 38, his disciples. Verse 39, look what Jesus did. He took authority over the situation. And that's what we have to do. That's what the church has to do. That's what we as individuals have to do. We have to take authority over the storms in the name of Jesus. Over the circumstances, over the situations, we must do it according to the Word of God and then things are going to change. Notice, as long as they were in fear, long as they were bailing water, long as they were wondering what are we going to do, as long as they were thinking we're going under, guess what happened? They were going under. The ship, our boat was full. But Jesus didn't allow the circumstances to continue as they were. He decided to get up and do something about the storm. Verse 39 says, He arose, speaking of Jesus, and what did He do? He rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Notice, it started out in verse 37 as a great storm, but now it's a great calm. Why? And how this occurred? He rebuked. He took authority over the circumstances. Over the storm, he rebuked the wind, said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm right where there had once been, just a minute earlier, a storm. A great storm, right? Thank you for your enthusiasm. But that's true. Verse 40, And he said unto them, He gives directives to his disciples and all those that would believe on him from that day forward. This is a directive not only to the disciples that were there in the little boat with him. Remember what Tiny called it? Big Tiny we called him. He said unto them, and he gave directives to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? In other words, what has happened to your faith? You know better than this. I have taught you better than this. He was gently but kindly and firmly letting them know you know better than to get in this situation. How did you get here? Well, it's apparent. There was a great storm. The winds were blowing. The waves were up high and it jumped over into the boat. And so they begin to look at everything and think about we're going under. We're not going over. We're not going to make it to the other side. And he's back yonder asleep on that pillow. Big as Ike, Granny would say. Jesus laying back there big as Ike. Y'all remember that? Yes, big as Ike laying back there. And the boat's sinking. What's wrong with him? Is he out of his mind? What Jesus was denoting is they were given more credit to the storm than they were to His words in God. If you pay more attention to the storm than you do to God's word and what He said, then you will probably go under. But if you'll pay attention, give more attention to what God said because it supersedes what the devil's trying to do. Notice this. If Jesus said, let's pass over to the other side, God, Jesus, did not bring the storm because he would be contradicting himself. Isn't that right? So who would bring the storm? The devil would create the storm. So he's trying to get them to give up. And what were they doing? Jesus was denoting the fact and, and insinuating the fact 
that they were paying more attention to the storm and what it was doing than they were to his words that he had spoken and to God and how big God was. Isn't that right? And listen, it's not demeaning to anybody. We can all get there if we don't watch it. We can overfocus on the negative things. We can overfocus, and I don't deny that there's storms. Yes, there's storms. I don't deny that there's attacks. I don't deny that there's opposition, but they're not going to win. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord, and you've got to keep your ears in tune with the Word. I said, Brother Randy, what's your mind going to tell you? Your mind's going to say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I look at the circumstance. Oh, my God, you're out of your mind. The wind is blowing. The boat is full, and you're telling me that everything's going to be all right. You are crazy. You are crazy. You are out of your mind. In the name of Jesus, I command you to lose your mind and get the mind of Christ. Now, don't go to losing it if you're not going to get the mind of Christ. Granny told me you got to have a little something to work with up there, so I want you to keep it. You know what I mean? But you see what I'm saying here. You see what the Word of God is saying. This is not me saying this. This is the Bible, like Pastor was saying, about tithing. It wasn't him, it's the Bible. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? He's denoting that their faith has leaked out of them because they're looking at the storm. And it says here, verse 41, and they feared exceedingly, which means they were greatly amazed. That's what that really means. They were greatly amazed or feared exceedingly and said one to another. They talk, said, what manner of man is this? Notice they said man. Man. They didn't say God. He's operating as a man. What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In other words, the storms of life came. And yes, they're very real. But in the end, what's going to happen? They're going to arrive safely to the other side. There was a great storm that came, but when Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said into the sea, Peace be still, there was a great calm. Ladies and gentlemen, I have proven this true over and over in my life. I remember getting a letter while I was in prison. This letter said, Can I step down here? Without blowing up nothing, I'll make sure I have blown up things before, you know. But uh, I got a letter while I was in prison as a, a, a convict pastor. Convict pastor is a little bit different than a, a pastor out here. I can say unequivocally and without pride that I, I preach to a captive audience every church service. <laughs> in fact, we were all locked in the same place. But here I am, you know, and I'm serving God, you know, and, and, and our little church is growing. I mean, we went from about, uh, about 7 or 8 to 11, then we got up to about 12, and then uh, over a period of about 6 or 7 months, we got up to a little over 100, then we got to a little over 120. And these guys didn't have jailhouse religion. You know what I'm talking about, jailhouse religion? Jailhouse religion is this. This is the definition of it. Jailhouse religion that gets right with Christ because it's convenient at the moment. But they only plan to be right with Him as long as they think they can bamboozle somebody to thinking their life has changed. You know what I mean? So I'm not talking about jailhouse religion. I'm talking about born again, spirit-filled convicts. And these guys had come from all different backgrounds, all different kinds of crimes, some of them horrendous crimes. But they had been gloriously born again. 
Our church is growing. Everything's going fine. It seems like that when the time comes that God's just going to work a miracle for me and I'm supernaturally going to walk out of that prison, you know, and maybe even get translated out of there. There's no telling, you know. Oh, how wrong I was in my thinking. One day, I was called by the uh, authorities, you know, there in the prison, said there's going to be a, a parole person going to come and interview, and we don't know why. You know, because uh, with your record, you're not getting out, you know. But they're sending him down here. So you be ready to meet him at a certain date, and we're going to call you over the intercom, and you come. So I went, you know, finally they came, and I went and talked to this representative of the Pardon and Parole Board in the state of Alabama where I was in prison at. They want to know where you're going to work if you, if you were to get out, how you're going to live, where you're going to live at, you know, is somebody there to help you, your family, and all this. And, and of course, I had already had time to prepare for all that kind of stuff, and and I gave them some things and reasonable answers they wanted to hear. And then this guy here was just a representative. He didn't make no decisions. He said, well, I'm just here to gather all the information and get your past records and see how you've adjusted while you're in prison. He said, I don't know what's going to happen. He said, but usually I'll just be honest with you in a case like yours. He said, you're not going to get out. You know, he didn't want me to have any high hopes. And, of course, you know, at the time, you know, it was kind of my feathers were kind of slipping down. You know, I didn't feel like I was flying too high listening to him saying that. But... Uh, it was several days later, I guess within a week, I got a letter from the state Alabama Pardon and Parole Board. And this letter, I opened it up, you know, hurriedly thinking, boy, uh, they said, you know, this letter's going to say, oh man, you're just a gift of God to society. Oh, you've just been such a model person over your life. I mean, you know, it's just really, I mean... We're just so blessed to have you in our system. We want to release you and just let you be a blessing to society. Oh, I was wrong again. I'm serving God. The storms are blowing. I read the letter that said, Randall Greer, you know, 120826, my old prison number, said, uh, we have uh, considered you for release from prison on parole, and you will be released from prison on parole in the month of none. And then it listed about eight reasons why. This reason, that reason, failure to respond to rehabilitation, leaping tall buildings with a single bound, outrunning speeding bullets, you know. I mean, I escaped three times. I mean, all this is out. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary of my life story. It's all in there. I'm not making this up. Jumping out of two-story windows and bullets are flying, dogs are chasing me, detectives everywhere. It's, uh, it's on Daystar TV network. They short periodically. And, it's, and it goes all over their, the world where they broadcast it. But it's a documentary of my life story, and it shows it in detail. Even some of the footage was actually uh, shot at uh, a location in Vinnick City, Alabama, at a jail that I actually was in. And it showed it, an actor, of course, jumping out of the building because I had changed career paths. <laughs> jumping out of a two-story jail cell. It's, a, it's amazing. Anyway... Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Out of your mind. But anyway, it said you'll be released from prison on parole in a month of none. After it listed about eight reasons why. Then at the bottom of the letter it said, furthermore, you'll be reconsidered in the future for release from prison on parole in the month of none. Well, then excitement began to arise because I'm getting out in the month of none. So I raced and I found me a calendar and I found January all the way down through December. But I haven't located that month of none yet. If you find it before I do, you please let me know. Look, I, well, my wife and I and my son, we went to England 
and their doggone calendar don't even have the month of none. We was in Paris, France, uh, and that calendar don't have the month of none. I was all over up in Canada looking, and their calendars don't have the month of none. But when the world gives you the month of none, you run to the sun. I'm here to tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I took that letter out on the prison recreation yard because I knew the Lord had told me if I would turn my life over to him that he would get out of the mess that I'd got it into and I would do what he called me to do. He told me that on my third escape. So I took it out in the prison recreation yard and I showed him the letter like he needed to read it, you know. <laughs> Look here, Lord. This letter says I'll get out in a month or none. He said, son, I didn't put you there. He said, you put your own self there because you disobeyed me. He said, I didn't put you there. The Father of God didn't put you there. The authorities didn't put you there. He said, you put your own self there because you broke the laws of the land. Thank you for your enthusiasm. He said, if you'd have done what I called you to do from the time you was a baby, he said, you would have never went behind prison bars. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't lock people up. He sets people free. Now, let's balance that out. I'm not saying that somebody going to prison might not have saved their life because of their lifestyle in society. Their drunken stupors, meth stuff, and all this other stuff, and drugs and alcohol and crimes. Yes, they would have probably died in a matter of weeks, but still, God doesn't lock people up. He sets people free. People get locked up because they break the law. And listen, let's balance that out. I'm not saying that somebody couldn't be arrested falsely and accused wrongly, because I've witnessed that. But I didn't fit that criteria. <laughs> I'm telling you, I didn't. And so here I am on this prison yard, and I've got a storm a-blowing. I'm the convict pastor. I mean, our church is going, and I don't say this in pride, but our church is going because people are praying. These convicts, they're studying the Word. I mean, night and day and night, day and night. They're praying God. Some of them almost around the clock praying and seeking God. In fact, our prayer teams were doing it around the clock. Every day we had church seven days a week, two hours a day, except on Sunday we had service of Sunday morning and two hours Sunday night because they only give you two hours. And then every day at noontime we met on the recreation yard because we got special permission to do it and we had prayer meeting. We got after it. When we started shaking the gates of hell, but I was trying to shake the bars. <laughs> I mean shaking the gates of hell and, and God started getting saved and God started moving. So here I am. I said, Lord, this letter said I'll get out in the month of none. Well, that's the storm. But the Lord had already told me. And I said, Lord, you told me on my third escape, if I turn my life over to you, you'd get out of the mess I got it into and I would do what you called me to do. And he said, son, he said, I didn't put you there. You put your own self there. He said, the way you're going to get out of there is by believing my word. If you'll stand upon my word, yes, the storms are howling. Yes, I got a letter that says I'll get out the month of none. I mean, the waves is beating into the ship and it's feeling up, filling up, and I'm hollering, Lord, save me. I'm just sinking. And he gave me John 15, 7. You can look at it later. But it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, ask what you will, ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Nothing happened till Jesus got up and decreed something in that ship. So what the Lord was trying to do is get me to decree, to declare, to believe, to stand on the Word of God so I could receive, because a storm's coming, a great storm that I'm in right now. I said, what you want me to do? He said, I want you to get scriptures out of the Bible. They're in the back of my book, Escape from Hell. There's one around here. Maybe there on the table. I know there's one back there. I listed scriptures there that I actually stood on. 
Now, you don't have to have every scripture I did. I think I had about 10 or 12 or 15. But two or three believed and obeyed will get you out of your situation. He said, I want you to read these scriptures out loud to yourself and walk the prison yard. And he said, that's going to bring the faith you need to believe me because you don't have any faith. And I didn't. Faith comes from hearing God's word. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh from hearing the word of God. Or it says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. That just simply means faith comes from hearing God's word in Romans 10, 17. So I began to walk the prison yard reading them scriptures out loud to myself over and over and over and over and over and over and over. After about an hour, guess what happened to me? Absolutely nothing. I felt just as dead. The storm was howling just as bright and greater than ever before, blowing, and I'm going under. And my head's giving me trouble, telling me this don't work, this don't work, this don't work. But I stayed with it. Just stayed with it. Just stay with the Word, the Word will stay with you. Stay with the Word, and the Word will stay with you. I stayed with it. I just kept on. I'd done that for another hour. Seemed like nothing's happening. But I got into about two and a half hours of just quoting that word out loud. And faith got in inside of me. And suddenly when it got inside of me, it said, how do you know? You just know that you know that you know. That's how I knew. And I'm standing there out on that prison yard. And I mean, it was such an exhilarating feeling. Not that you got to have a feeling, but I felt good. Woo-hoo-hoo! Woo! I tell you, I felt good. And I thought... I don't need no parole board. I feel so good. I'm going to get the old hymn of the church and spread my wings and sail over the fence singing, I'll fly away, oh glory. Amen. But I happened to look up in the guard tower and he was standing up there with an automatic rifle in his hand. And I thought, well, he might not know this song. You know what I mean? And if he don't know this song, we're going to be in a heap of trouble. This is a word from God for us, ladies and gentlemen. It'll work for you. If you'll stay with the word, it'll stay with you. So I'm standing in that prison yard and I said, Lord, what do I do now? I see I got the faith because it come from your word. You gave it to me. So I'm giving him the glory, giving him the credit, giving him the honor. He said, turn and prophesy to that prison gate about your future. I just whirled around where I was at because I was facing this way, looking at the gun tower. I whirled around and the gate that I would walk out of, I could see it way out across the prison yard. Everybody went out, went out that gate. And so I just bowed up like old Banny Rooster. And I said, hear me, O you gate. I said, I served notice on you today. May the 31st, 1984. I said, in the name of approximately one o'clock in the afternoon. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to open. And I'm going out of you. And I'm going to preach a gospel around the world. Raising the dead, healing the sick, open the eyes of the blind. Do you hear me, O you gate? What did I do? I decreed something. I declared something like Jesus did. Jesus stood up in that ship and he spoke to the wind and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. If you don't decree, it won't come to be. If you don't decree, it won't come to be. The Lord will give you the faith. He'll give you the ability. He'll give you his word. But you've got to decree it if you want to see it. You've got to decree it if you want to see it. Said, what did you feel like? Well, at the moment that I prophesied to it, I had a great anointing of faith was on me. But it went long, and it seemed like it lifted. My head started giving me trouble, but I just stayed with it. I wanted to call my mom on the prison phones. I had to sign up to go into the phone booth. You had to write your name down, and they call you at a certain time. So I called, and as soon as they put the operator put me through that that evening, late evening, I went in the phone booth as faith man. My cape was a flying in the wind, big F on the shirt, spiritually speaking, you know what I mean? 
ready to leap a tall building with a single bound. You know, I'm ready to go. You've heard of Superman? Well, there's a faith man and a faith woman. And I went in there. And as soon as the operator put me through to my mama, how you doing, honey, she said. I said, mama, mama, mama. I said, I heard from heaven today. She had one of them letters too. said, I'll get out in the month of none, you know. I said, Mama, I heard from heaven today. And I said, I've got my parole. And I said, I'm coming home, Mama. I said, I'm coming home, Mama. She, and, and I thought Mama would be shouting in hallelujah. She said, calm down, son. Calm down, son. She said, son, what if it don't happen? You'll think that God don't love you. And she wasn't trying to discourage my faith. She didn't know any better, you know. And everything, good Pentecostal lady, love God with all her. She said, if it don't happen, she said, you'll think God don't love you and you might backslide. <laughs> she was thinking of the big picture, you know. But I was looking at God's picture. And then finally she stumbled around and told me all these things, why it wouldn't happen. And finally, in country talk, she said, honey, I wouldn't put all my eggs in one basket if I was you. I said, mama. I ain't got another basket. It's either Jesus and out of here or no way else. She said, honey, I, I, I said, mama, I said, I love you. But by this time, my cape had quit flying in the wind. <laughs> and my F for faith man was fading. I said, mama, I love you. I said, but when you go to the pro board next Tuesday, because she was had an appointment to try to get them to change her mind, I said, they're going to reverse the decision. They're going to change your mind. And I said, I'm going to walk out of this prison on pro. Oh, you think so? You think so? I really would like to believe that. I said, Mama, I love you. Daddy, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I said, Mama, I ain't got another basket. This is it. I said, I'll call you back next Tuesday. Goodbye. Bang. Love my mama, but I got to get away from some of that because I'm telling you, it's pulling on my mind. I ain't going to lie about it because my mama's telling me this stuff, you know, and, it, and my mama ain't going to lie to me as a general rule. She's going to try to tell me the truth, you know. Oh, she's hit me in the face with all this reality, you know. Look, look, you escaped from prison three times. You started three riots while you was in prison and all this kind of stuff. And you, oh, they, they oh, my God, oh. We get to looking at the negative side. It'll zap your faith out of you. If you get to looking at the storm, it will hinder your faith. So I said, Mama, I said, Mama, Mama, Mama. I said, Goodbye. So I started thanking God, I got it. I got it. That's all I was doing, thanking God. So what was your head doing? It was giving me trouble. Yeah. I'm telling you, I didn't feel good no more. I felt like it wasn't working. I mean, I even had sensations that it wasn't working. Couldn't hardly sleep because the devil would wake me up. Say, it ain't a working. And I would just get the word and I'd just go to quoting it to myself again. But on Tuesday evening, when I got to use the phone again, I went back in the phone booth and I was all built up. And as soon as my mama answered, she heard my voice on the other side, you know, she started squalling. <laughs> I mean, she squalled so it felt like it was hurting her to me. You know what I mean? It sounded like it was hurting her. And it didn't sound good. It's one of them squalls that hurts, you know. And I knew she was devastated. Finally, I got to calm down. I said, Mama, tell me what the parole board said, and I can handle it. That's a faith statement, believe me. She said, Honey, from the way things looked and sounded at the parole board today, you will never be released from prison on parole. said, Every time I said one to two things good about you, she said, they said four to five things bad about you. 
said the bad thing was everything they said was true. <laughs> she said, I didn't have a case to present in your behalf. And I'm telling you, I was going under. I'm standing there and I'm hearing this and it hits me. The reality of my mama's conversation with the parole board. The storms are howling. The waves are beating into my ship. It's filling up with water and I'm about to sink. I cried out, Jesus. You know what I mean in my spirit? And then I remembered somebody I like a lot. Oh, Popeye the sailor man. He got a saying, I done stands it till I can't stand it no more. Oh, Bruno, Bluto, whatever his name is, beating up on poor old Popeye, and he stops, and he pops that can of spinach, and he gulps it down, and he takes old Bruno, and whop, and then you see him sail over there, old Bruno, and then big knot on his head, and birds are flying around. I mean, I got like old Popeye, and I knew if I didn't arise in this storm, Jesus arose in the ship. If I didn't arise, I was going under with the ship, I had to do something. I had to make a declaration if I was going to see it. And I said, Mama, Mama, Mama. I said, regardless of what the parole board said to you today, I said, I've got my parole in the name of Jesus, and it was changed today regardless of what they told you. And I said, if it is not, the word of God is not true. My God, that's heresy. I raised you better than that. You calling God a liar. I said, no, mama. I said, let every man be a liar, but let God be true and he is. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I have proven this. It's not a story. It's not a fairy tale. My whole life is a miracle. Even today, everything I do is a miracle. God is with me and it'll work for you. If you'll declare in the storm, yes, storms come to all of us. I'm not telling you fairy tales. This has worked for me many times in many ways. I'm just telling you one of them. And I said, Mama, it's mine. And I said, I'm walking out of here. And she tried to calm me down. I said, Mama, I love you. I said, but I need to go. I'll talk to you later. And I hung up that phone and I walked out. And the power of the Spirit and the anointing of God the convict boys were standing there around me in my church because they're waiting to hear the good news. I didn't have none for mama. They said, Pastor Randy, sounds odd, don't it? Pastor Randy, when are you going home? I said, they hadn't gave me the exact date yet. I said, boys, but I've got my parole and I'm going home soon. They done the Pentecostal jitterbug around the phone booth and I helped them. Woohoo! The Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. They acted just like I had it. They acted just like I had it because I did. I did. Now that was the first week of June of 1984. I didn't hear one thing. It was a dreadful, can I tell you again, dreadful experience. Not one positive thing about my release. All through June, July, and over into August. Didn't hear one thing, but every day I'm still quoting the word, not feeling a thing. Still having these awful thoughts that you're never getting out. You know, all them thoughts, but I'm combating those. I'm still making a declaration, even though my head's giving me trouble and the devil is trying to discourage me. But I stayed with it. 
So here I am. In the latter part of August, suddenly I seen Captain Felton Crumpton. He come out of the prison administration building out onto the recreation field. And it was quite a ways, probably a hundred yards across the field. But what drew my attention to him is because he was hurriedly, he was doing like this, you know, moving around quick, looking at guys. He's walking at the people, turning them around, looking them in the face like he was looking for somebody. And I thought, what in the world's wrong with him? Very strange and unusual. He's normal, normally normal acting. Normally. And he's going into all kind of groups of guys, you know, out there, playing softball, whatever else, you know, they were doing. And finally, I'm, I'm out in the corner of the yard, just, I'm quoting the word. I'm still quoting the word. Still, I'm, I'm quoting the word. Still just saying what, what the Bible says. They had given me trouble. All of a sudden, about 20 feet away from me, it dawned on me. He is looking for me. He, he's looking for me. That's what he's doing. He's looking for me. Even though I hadn't heard him call my name, I just knew by the Spirit he was looking for me. So I yelled. I said, Captain Crompton, are you looking for me? He said, yes, yes. He ran over there where I was at. He said, you won't believe it, son. You won't believe it. He was beside himself. He said, you won't believe it. I said, believe what? He said, you couldn't believe it if I told you. I said, what? He said, you wouldn't believe it. I said, sir, they call me a believer. Give me a shot at it. Let's go. He said, I don't understand it, but we've contacted Montgomery where your parole papers come from in Alabama. And he said, you're going home on parole Monday morning. August 27th, 1984, by a miracle of God, they put me in a suit that didn't fit, shirt too big, pair of shoes like you plow a mule in, and I got a $10 check for over 10 years of hard labor, and you complain about your paycheck. <laughs> and I would have got a bus ticket home, but my folks were coming to get me. And they dressed me out. And they took me out them gates, and they started walking me to them doors. I got to that gate I prophesied to, and I bowed up. I said, hear me, O ye gate. I served notice on you May the 31st, 1984, and I commanded you to open, and I command you to open now. Well, the captain had a key. <laughs> Didn't care how it opened. And the guard in the tower had hit an electronic lock that was on it where you couldn't overpower the guard and take the key and get out, you know. And they, he motioned for him to do it, and then he heard what I said. He said, what did you say, preacher? That was my nickname, you know. What did you say? Just, he said, you are out of your doggone mind. You're out of your mind. He said, just get out of here. And he said, oh, by the way, look over to your left. And I looked over to the left, and he had gave special permission by Warden Caps that was there at that time, C-A-P-P-S. Warden Caps, to let my church members come to the fence that's outside. You know what I mean? It's inside, but it's still outside. And they were standing by the print prison fence. A lot of them had tears running down their cheeks. And they were saying, glory to God, Pastor Randy, it works. I said, it does work, boys. I said, it does work, boys. Amen. As I walked out of those gates, clang, they shut behind me. 8, 10 a.m., the last door closed. And there stood my mama out on a sidewalk. As soon as I walked close enough, because she couldn't come to a certain place, she leapt off the ground, throwed both arms around my neck, and her little feet to dangling, you know, because I'm much taller than she is. She just a squalling and carrying on. Finally, I got her set down. And she looked up at me, tears running down her face. This for the days of having all this good stuck makeup. You know what I mean? And she looked like a scarecrow, kind of. But anyway, full of joy. And she said to me, honey, 
the Bible is true, isn't it? I said, yes, Mama, the Bible is true. Because she witnessed it. She saw it. It works. But that's what the Bible is filled with. It's witness where God rescued people from impossible situations. The storms may come and howl and the winds may blow. But we're trusting in Jesus Christ and with Him we're going to move on and we're going to flow. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And of course you see me standing here today. I have a full pardon and God is with us on our side. You've been so patient listening to me. I'm telling you the truth. But I've preached myself happy. This is a word for you. This is a word for this church. This is a word for me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the spirit of the anointing and power of God.